Are we back in the Gospel of Mark this morning? So we've been going through the Gospel of Mark for the better part, uh, well, over a year. Uh, and we're getting close to the end, I promise. Uh, we took some breaks for, some, for Advent and our uh, series by design. But we'll be back in the, ch- uh, the book of Mark. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 12. That's where we'll be today. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's totally fine. There should be a black hardback one somewhere around you. Um, feel free to use that one. Um, and as always, if you don't have a Bible, you can have that one. Uh, that's our gift to you. But today we're going to talk about this idea of what God cares about most and kind of why we exist as humans. Uh, and I think we all have different answers to that question, what God cares about the most. I think we all have different things and different commands or laws of God um, that when we break them, we probably feel more guilty maybe than someone else next to us might feel breaking that same command, but they might have something that they do that they feel more guilty about than you. Um, so we all have certain commands negative emotions that really show us what we believe God cares about the most. And so um, some of us think that uh, God values, what God values most is that we would feel loved and cared for. And so when someone doesn't love us or care for us, we get angry. And that anger and frustration starts to uh, well up towards that person because we think they are wronging us in one of the biggest ways possible to wrong us. And that's by making us feel unloved. Um, or uncared for. Uh, if, if you think uh, Bible reading is the most important thing to God, when you forget to read your Bible on a given day, you feel anxious all day. You feel like God's mad at you. You feel guilty because you didn't read your Bible that day. And so you think this is like the end all be all of God's commands is that we read our Bible every day. And so when that doesn't happen, uh, your mind immediately goes to uh, guilt and shame for not doing that. For others, it could be managing your, your finances, your time, uh, social justice, whatever it may be. We all have these things that we, if we really looked into our lives, that God cares about this most because this is what I feel guilty about most when I fail. This is what I feel great about my life most when I succeed. And so um, we're going to look today what the what, a little story about God, Jesus answering this question. What, what does God care about most? The scribes are going to ask Jesus what he would say the most important command of God is. And Jesus is going to answer in a way that teaches us two things about God uh, and the commands of God. And, and the first one is that the commands of God are weighty. They're just heavy. They're, they're a heavy weight. But the second thing is good news. The second thing, the commands of God bring us joy. They're joyful. Um, the commands of God brings us joy. And so we'll, we'll be in Mark chapter 12. We'll pick it up in verse 28, and it'll be up here on the screen as well. It says Matthew 2, 1 through 12. That's because I failed to change that slide. But it's Mark, I promise. Mark 12, uh, verses 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love one neighbor as yourself is much more important than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. And so the scribe's question 
was uh, very practical for him to ask because scribes were teachers of the law. So, so he goes to this teacher and he says, hey, where should I spend my time teaching? Like, what's the most important commandment that there is? What, what should I teach the most? Like, what is most important? Jesus answers to love your God the most and to love your neighbors as yourselves. And, and I think it's funny the scribes say, hey, you're right. Like, almost like we were trying to trick you, but you're right, you answered it good. Um, but he said, yeah, hey, you're right, that's right. That you should, you should, the Lord our God is one. Um, and that we should love our neighbors. And Jesus says, um, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about Jesus' response there at the end. But Jesus says that two inseparable demands and commands of God, the purposes of the law were to love God supremely and to love others greatly. And that's really should be the mark of our lives as Christians is to love God supremely and to love others greatly. When Jesus says this, we, we tend to think he's lowering the bar. Like there's all these, there's 365, you know, commands in the Old Testament. Jesus lowers the bar and just gives us two, right? But the reality is he's actually raising the bar infinitely high because if we think about these commands and what Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So when Jesus says these two things, he's not getting rid of anything, He's actually raising the bar of obedience, of what obedience should look like for the Christian. He didn't say that, that any other commands were bad. Um, they're just the means by which we love God supremely and love others greatly. It is through obeying all the commands that we begin to demonstrate our love for God and um, his people. But here's the reality. When we think about this, this, this idea of loving God supremely and loving others greatly, it begins to be very weighty on us. Um, because it's hard to love other people. It's hard to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Um, even just Adam's story today, just, just driving down the road, it's hard to love other people when they're driving 19 miles per hour on the, on the, on the highway, right? It's just, it becomes difficult to love other people. It becomes difficult um, to love other people when, when something's wrong with one of your, like your computer, or your phone, you call customer service and, or your internet and, and they just don't seem to understand anything that you're saying. And not even because of language barrier, they're just like, they have a script that they have to go through and you're telling them we can skip half the script because I already know what's going on. And they're like, no, I gotta go through the script. And they just keep asking the same questions over and over and over again. And you just get so frustrated. It's hard to love people. It's hard to love God with all your mind, soul, and strength. And and um, I think in our culture, it's become really easy to pretend like we love God with everything and to pretend like we love other people. It's been super easy to do that because what we've become really good at as Christians in the Bible Belt, um, which we're a part of, is that we've been really good at kind of behavior modification, this idea that if I just, um, if I'm generous with my money, if I um, smile when I talk to people, if I just spend time with people, then I'm loving them. But God is after so much more than just our behavior. He's after our heart. He doesn't want us to begrudgingly serve him, but he wants us to serve him with joy in our hearts. And see, as we talk about the Grove all the time, that's incredibly good news, the fact that God's after our hearts and not just our actions. Because if he's after our hearts and he's after us joyfully submitting to his commands, joyfully obeying his commands. And so if he's after us joyfully obeying his commands, that means his commands must be good for us. Because if we walk around just saying, oh, I better, I better love God with everything I have or else he's going to give me cancer, or I better love God with everything I have or he's going to smite me, then that becomes this, this begrudging submission to God. And, and no one's glorified in that. And I've, I've shared this before, but, but uh, I had the privilege of, of officiating 
uh, Billy and India's wedding. They, they used to uh, come here and they, they've moved to Greensboro. Um, but if I was up there and, and I, I was marrying Billy to, to India and India to Billy and, and, and it was something um, more like, hey, Billy, do you promise to love her and do all these things for her? Um, because if you don't, she's going to hurt you. And he's like, I do. I do promise to do that. I don't want to get hurt. And if I was like, Indy, do you promise to love Billy and to care for Billy? Because if you don't, he's going to leave you and not like you anymore. And she's like, well, I, I definitely promise that because I don't want those things to happen. Like that wouldn't glorify marriage. No one would be excited about marriage. But here's what happens at a wedding. We don't say things like that. It's, it's do you promise to love, to hold, to cherish no matter what, sickness or health, riches, richness or poor, like anything that happens, do you promise to continue to love them? And what happens at weddings? If you've been to a wedding, man, there's just like this like weird, almost sickening love in the air. Like it's almost, it's just, sickening is probably not the right word. That sounds horrible. But it's like this, like, it's like this, man, there's just so much sappiness going on that it's, it, that it's actually beautiful. And it's kind of gone past sappiness and it's beautiful. And there's this idea because marriage is glorified when we say things like, I'm going to love you no matter what. And if we say to God that I'm going to follow you no matter what, because I know that you have my best interest at heart, so no matter what you call me to do, no matter what you ask me to do, I'm going to submit, I'm going to obey, I'm going to follow you, that's where God's most glorified. And that's just incredibly good news for us. Because if we know the Bible, said, the Bible says the thing God is after the most is his glory, then we can trust him with everything else. Because God's not going to be glorified in our begrudging submission. He's going to be glorified in our joyful submission to the things that he's called us to do. The, the other reason why this is incredibly good news is because um, what this passage of Scripture, what this, these verses show us is that Jesus is telling us the world, your life is not about you. Your, your world, your life is about loving God and loving others. He didn't even say anything. The only thing he said in here is like, think about how much you love yourself. I want you to love other people that way. And so we don't get to be above anyone else. We get to, we're, 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 we're loving others as we love ourselves. We're loving God even more than that. Like, like we're not, our world is not about us. And so here's what that frees us up to do. When we're driving down the road and that person's going 19 miles per hour, I don't have to take that as a personal offense against me, that they hate me in some way, so they're purposely pulled out in front of me and they're, they're driving super slow just to make me angry. I mean, my, my, my understanding is that this person might just be slow, they might be older, they might be sightseeing, they might, there's, there's a lot of things that could be going on. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give them some grace because I don't know what's going on in that car right now. I mean, it could be just their car's broken and they can't afford to fix it. Because let me tell you, I had this car one time, it was a 1993 Toyota Camry. Uh, it was my first car, it was super rough. It had been in a flood and so like, kind of just imagine what a car that has like electrical systems in it like would work after it's been completely submerged in water. That was my car and I was driving home from Asheville one day after work and uh, I pull out of um, the uh, um, Arden Walmart, and I'm, getting on, I'm get, trying to get on to 40, and my car will not go over 20 miles per hour. It just won't. It, for some like I have my pedal to the floor, my gas pedal to the floor, and it's just going 20 miles per hour. I have no idea why. So like three hours later, I finally make it to Marion, and I am, I'm driving, and I, like, I can't afford to call a tow truck. I can't afford to get this thing fixed. I just got to get it home and find some, uh, a family friend to kind of look at what's going on. So um, I don't know if you guys have seen the mountain that we live on, 
but just try and picture in your head a 1993 Toyota Camry driving, like, because now we're going uphill, so we're not going 20 miles per hour anymore. We're going like 10, 12 miles per hour being honked at and passed by logging trucks. Like, that's just embarrassing. You're in a car. Like, I've got four doors, and this guy's got logs, and he's just passing me. And it was super embarrassing, but that was, that was my life. And so, so when we see things like this, like, I didn't hate logging trucks. Um, I don't, I'm not angry with logging trucks. I'm not trying to make, ruin his day. I just, man, I couldn't afford to get my car fixed. And I didn't know this was happening until I drove, driving home from Walmart. I got it fixed. I don't know what was wrong with it. I'm not a, a huge car guy. There was something loose in the motor. We got it fixed and it started working again. Um, and then I sold it quickly because I was afraid it's going to happen again. But I was honest with the guys. Like, dude, one time I drove home. It took me four hours to get home from, 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 our, from Asheville because it wouldn't drive fast. Anyway, so we, it frees us up not to be the center of the universe, which frees us up to just live a more joyful life because I don't have, like I'm not offended by every little thing. When, my, when I come home and my wife um, isn't loving and welcoming, she's just tired and exhausted and wants to just to hand the kids over to me because she's super tired. I don't take that as a, my wife doesn't love me. She doesn't care for me. Um, she doesn't know how hard my day was. I don't take it like that because I don't have to. This idea that the world is not about me, this idea that um, my life is not centered around me, frees me up to think, you know what? My wife's had a hard day. My day was hard too, but my wife's had a hard day. I, I'm strong in the Lord. Like the Holy Spirit, give me strength. I will try and, and help these kids get to bed without too many um, disciplinary actions and try and just get them into bed and read them a story and love on them because my wife is tired. Like I'm not frustrated with her. And so this idea that we are to love God supremely and love others greatly frees us up both to submit to the commands of God because we can trust him, that he wants glory. And if he wants glory, then he's after our joy. If he's after our joy, we can trust him. And even just like on a logical level, like if someone created, we talked about this before, but someone created the universe, it just makes sense to like listen to what they say because they created the way in which everything works. Um, it just makes sense. It's just logic. And so God is after not just our behavior, but he's after our joy. He's after our heart. He wants us to lovingly obey him and lovingly submit to him. We were created to obey. We were created to love. And there's this idea, um, and I think in all of our hearts, we long to be back in Genesis 1 and 2. In all of our hearts, we long to be back to this, this um, beginning of creation where we just walk with God and we're just with God and we're, we're obeying him and we love him and he loves us and he cares for us. And there's just, there's not a lot of conflict in Genesis 1 and 2. There's not a lot of frustration. In fact, we, we see zero of it. There's no frustration. There's no anger. There's no conflict. Um, there's just two people lovingly obeying God. And we see that disobedience leads to destruction and death. And so um, God, in, in Genesis 1 and 2, he, he speaks things into, into creation. He speaks direction. He speaks order, vitality, diversity, and joy into the lives of Adam and Eve um, and into creation. And he spoke to his image bearers, Adam and Eve, giving them um, everything that they needed. Uh, and they knew each other, and they loved each other well, and they loved God well. But it only comes, that idea only comes when God's word is obeyed all the time, 100% of the time. But then when we 
rebel against God. We rebel against his commands. We question God. We question his, his word. We question his promises. Did God, you know, Satan comes to Adam or the, the, the snake comes to Adam and said, did God really say that? We start to question God's commands and questions his goodness, his trustworthiness, his accuracy. Um, it starts to destroy life around us. But when we obey God's rule all the time, we see that brings joy and life and vitality into the world. And that's the weightiness of it, that we have to obey God's word all the time to bring those things into existence. We have to obey God's word 100% of the time. And if you're anything like me, you find that just impossible to do. In fact, you start even just hearing those words like we have to obey God all the time. Just the weightiness of that just feels so impossible and so burdensome. Romans 8, 7, and 8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The demands of his word are too much for us. That's why we pick, as humans, we pick and choose which ones we want to follow, which ones we want to value. Some of us, it's easier to read God, God's, God's word in the Bible than it is to love other people. So we value that more than anything else. And so if we read God's word, we feel successful because, man, I am a type A personality and I, you know, I could set my alarm and I could wake up and I could grab this off my bookshelf and I could read it and I could feel really good about myself. But then I go to work and someone kind of makes me angry and I just fly off the handle, but I still feel good about myself because I read the Bible. And knowing that we can't keep all the commands, we pick and choose what's most valuable to us when God would say, all of it is most valuable to me. In fact, all of it culminates in this idea that you would love me supremely and love my people greatly. That's why Jesus came. That's why he's here in this story. That's why he's with the scribes and the Pharisees. He's at the temple right now because he came, because he had to bring the kingdom to us because we could not come to it. He had to bring the kingdom of God down to earth. He had to bring it to these broken people because we couldn't enter. He had to bring us into it because we're unable to come to it, into it ourselves. And so that's why, that, that's why G, when Jesus says to the scribe um, that you are not far from the kingdom of God because the scribe didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He understood on paper that, yeah, you're right, but he was understanding that he was after his heart because all the scribe was trying to do was trick him. All the scribe was trying to do was, 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 was get him to say something wrong so they could kick him out and they could kill him. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He missed the greatness and importance of, of not what was being said, but who was saying it. He understood what was being said, but he missed the greatness and the gloriousness of the king of all things who was saying it. Jesus raised the bar for obedience in faithfulness, and the scribe agreed with him. He understood that was right. He's on the right track, but he wasn't in the kingdom because he didn't recognize God's Christ, God's Messiah, his king. And kind of what we talked about yet last week, you don't get into the kingdom because you recognize God's word as being valuable and good. You get into the kingdom by recognizing the king of the kingdom as valuable and good. And that's what this is all about, is, is loving God supremely and trusting God supremely and loving his people greatly. And, and so that looks, a, a mil, that looks like a million different things. It looks like a million different things. But the good news is, is that God has not left us alone. When Jesus ascended into heaven, um, he left us with this promise that he's going to send someone to help us. He's going to send someone to be with us. 
And as Christians, we, we understand that in the, in the first uh, beginning of Acts that, we, that, that Christians got the Holy Spirit, this helper, this, this, um, this, this Holy Spirit who would help us and be with us. And so today we have the Holy Spirit. And so yes, these commands are absolutely impossible. Not because they're wrong or not, or, or not good, but they're just impossible because we don't all the time desire these things. Man, I, I, we, we want things to be about us. We, that's, our, that's our default position is making everything about us. That's what we kind of just stay in all the time. And so we need help. We need the Holy Spirit's help to, to bring us into this, into this place where we can, we can be freed up to love God, free, freed up to love other people. And, and Christ has not left us alone. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And it looks like a million different things. And so we can, we can talk about what it looks like, you know, husbands serving, serving uh, wives. We can talk about how it looks like just serving people at work. You know, you're just at work and, and you have a lot of stuff going on, but you're just helping other people as you go. And, and we, can, we can talk about how it looks like um, serving your town, like literally just serving your town. Some of the things we do at the Grove we try and do is be involved in, in town-wide cleanup days, or we try and be involved in just loving our neighbors. And so it looks like things like uh, our Halloween party as a church, and we, we try and provide opportunities for you guys to love your neighbors. We try and provide opportunities for you to love God. And so, so it's primary, one of the reasons why we, why we come together on Sundays is to worship God, both through, with your mind, your heart, your soul, your whole being, is to provide a place where we can all come together and worship God together. And so we, we take these things seriously, but on, on, a, on a personal level, you kind of have to think about your life. Like who has God put in your life to love and how can you love God by loving them? How can you love God in your own personal life, just you and him? And how can you love those he's put around you? Whether that's a husband or a wife or a neighbor or a friend or a coworker or children or a mom or a dad. It could be anyone, but there's people in your life who God has specifically placed in your life or placed you next to, to love and to care for and to love like you love yourself. Man, I never thought I'd be in a place like Spruce Pine growing up. And it's not because the Spruce Pine's not cool and great, but it's just completely different from where I grew up. And I believe the Bible says that God puts us within borders. He puts us where he wants us where he wants to have us. And so I'm, I believe that I was taken out of California, put in Spruce Pine, North Carolina for a reason, um, and to love people, to love my neighbors, to love the people I work with, to love the people, to you guys who have gotten to know as pastoring this church. And God has placed me here. Man, I just pray that God gives me so many more years here that I just die here. Maybe not like on this spot exactly, but like in Spruce Pine, pastoring the Grove. That would just be my life, my legacy, my life story. And so you guys think about who has God placed in your life? How can you love them greatly? Because the whole point is to joyfully, throughout your life, obey the commands of God. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. I have a son. His name is Eliam. He's five years old. And for whatever reason, he wants to be just like me. And it's not because I'm cool or I do anything that well or great, but he just wants to be like me because he's my son. And he'll put, like the other day I was at Walmart and I was like, man, you've got gum all over your hair. What did you do? And it wasn't gum. He got into my, my, the stuff I put in my hair and he put it in his hair because he sees me do it every morning. 
And so he wanted to be like daddy. And so he got into the little like paste stuff that Margie buys for me and he puts it in his hair. And it looked like just gum was in his hair because it was just like paste all over his hair. And um, he just wanted to be like daddy. He just wanted to be like me. There's, there's so many times Elium just want, like he uses my comb. He tries to wear some of my clothes sometimes. Um, and that gets kind of weird and he trips and falls and he gets hurt, but it's a whole thing. Um, but he just wants to be like his daddy. And here's the reason why he wants to be like his dad, because he's his dad's son. He doesn't want to be like his dad so that he could be his dad's son. He wants to be like his dad because he is his dad's son. We don't try and obey God and be like Christ to be his children. We do it because we are his children. I think so many times as Christians, we think we earn God's favor by doing the things he tells us to do and we can earn his favor. Maybe he'll, he'll, he'll love us and he'll like us, but we miss the point. He does love us. He does like us. We are his children if our faith is in Christ. And so because of that, we follow him. Because of that, we love him. Because of that, we're imitators of God, just like beloved children. You obey and follow him because you're already his. Our obedience just reinforces who we already are, reminds us of who we are in Christ. Psalm 133 through 3 and 4 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But, if you, but, it, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. See, our position in Christ as believers in Christ is that God does love us. He does like us. He counts us as sons and daughters and adopts us into his family. Jesus' answer here absolutely increases the weight of obeying God's word. But the good news is that he bears it on our behalf. He bears that weight on our behalf. You'll start loving God supremely and loving others greatly when you begin to realize that Jesus has already done it for you. When, when you begin to realize that Jesus has, born, has, has bared the weight of all these commands, he's bared the weight of all the punishment for not keeping the commands on your behalf. And that's the good news of the Bible, and that's the good news of the gospel. So we're going to sing, I think, three songs together this morning, a little bit different than we normally do. Um, but uh, I want you to think about what are those things that in your life that you know that are keeping you from loving God supremely? What are those things that you're doing in your life, those, those things that are just in your life that's keeping you from loving God supremely? What is, what is keeping you from living like you're made to live for God in obedience to God? What's keeping you from loving others greatly? Lord, what are you doing or what's in your life that's keeping you from other, loving others greatly? Just give those things over to Jesus and submit to him and surrender to him. Don't let the weight of obeying God keep you from the joy of obeying God. And so we'll sing a couple songs together. You can stand, sit, whatever you're comfortable with, and then we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Pray. Father, I just, uh, God, I just come before you, Lord, and I just pray for everyone here this morning, God, that um, as we uh, go throughout our lives, God, that you would just continue to remind us, Lord, this isn't about us, that our life isn't about us, God, but it's about um, giving glory to you by loving you with everything that we have. Um, and by loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to us even now, God, that we may um, fulfill those commands. We may walk in love in those commands, Lord, and that, that this whole area would just see the joy of your people, 
the joy of your people through by obeying and loving you and chasing and following after you, and by loving those people that you've placed around them, Lord, that they would see that joy and they would just not even understand what to make of it, God, that it would be so uh, confusing and mysterious to them, Lord, that they would just want to enter in, God. I pray we would, we would, our lives would be marked by, by that joy and by that love, God, and by inviting people into the kingdom. Lord, I pray that you'd be with everyone here this morning, Lord, as they go out and, and celebrate this new year. Lord, this new year would be just marked um, by obedience and love to you, God, and by a renewed um, pursuit of you. Um, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would just guide us in this new year, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just guide us throughout life, throughout work and church and family, Lord, that you would just give us the strength that we need um, to make much of you and to love others, God. I pray that you would just bless everyone here today as they go throughout their week, Lord, you would just be with them and bless them and keep them and love them, God, that you would just shine shine, uh, your grace upon them, Father. We love you, and I pray this in your son Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. I love you guys.